We, uh, we've had to call an audible on the show today. Welcome into the Plank Show right here on The Rep. Actually, as we kick things off, I guess technically, Josh Helmer, we've had to call two audibles. Number one, KJ Kindler usually joins us to kick off a Tuesday show in studio. KJ will join us by phone coming up here in moments. But there is a reason for that audible. There is a, a fault that I, I guess is, is mine that we don't get to hang out with KJ in studio because of the, I don't know, however many school districts there are in this incredibly wonderful state. My beloved town of Washington, home of the state champion Washington Warriors, the roughest, toughest, tumbling peeps on the planet. We're, we're out of school today because of concerns over the snow. Now, again, I don't mind a little extra. Now, I shouldn't even say they're out of school because you know what sucks about 2023 is there's no such thing as a snow day anymore, especially when it's only raining outside. No, no, no. There is a, uh, it's a remote learning day. So not even the parents get that day off anymore. But it's cool. So I get an extra day here with my girls, which is awesome. But it's also one of those where you wonder what goes into that decision-making process, right? And I'm not complaining. Listen, I want to be very clear. I'm not complaining. I love my school. I love my town. Uh, I love my peeps. But it, why, there was a big day planned, Josh Helmer. It's my wife's birthday. There was a lot on tap today. There was uh, – there was a lunch date. There was shoe shopping. Maybe this is actually kind of a blessing in disguise because I don't have to worry about that for now. But welcome into a show. So I'm, I am live from our Washington slash Goldsby studios this morning, which, mean, which means, Josh, good morning. Josh Helmer, how are you? Good morning, man. How are we T- doing? Today may be the day where we have to tell the story of Lucy the cat because – Lucy the cat will definitely, she will definitely be a part of the show because she's already broken out of her crate twice. You'll hear her dumb cat meows and purrs all over the mic, probably when I'm trying to to hit audio. And also a simple reminder that I, I am very allergic to cats. So good times. So yeah, kids are out of school slash remote learning today. I am, uh, I am from our... Buffalo Wild Wing Studios in the metropolis of Goldsby in the Washington area. And everything's kind of been thrown to S. How are you on this Tuesday morning, Josh? Doing good, man. Doing doing good. Did you have any problems getting into the studio today? Were there any issues on the road? Everything okay? Oh, please. <laughs> no problems at all just yet. Unbelievable. So we got we do have a lot to get to. I'm I'm not even being facetious. Coming up on the show today, so KJ is going to join us. Uh, we'll we'll shoot her a call after the first segment. See what uh, they've got practice this morning. So after their big win and the great crowd on Sunday night, we'll talk to the OU women's gymnastics coaches. We typically do. Josh at 10 a.m. this morning. Joe Lenardi will be on the show. We'll hear from the I guess the boss of bracketology the master of the March Madness projection, person who does trigger me quite a bit, and I don't think it's his fault. We've joked about this before, 
with the fake selection show. On a scale of 1 to 10, things that trigger me in sports, um, fake debates, Skip Bayless and anything he does that's supposed to be some sort of viral thing, and the fake the fake Mark March Madness show. All right, Joe, who do you have in, uh, in the Seattle bracket? Boy, this is really going to create some drama, guys. He's like, no, it's not. It's fake. It's not going to create any drama at all. It's made up, okay? Appreciate all the hard work you put into it, but it's fake. Boy, that's quite a way to promote a guest, isn't it? Join us is a man who, I don't know if they do it anymore, who they do a fake selection show that really triggered me, Joe Lenardi. What's going on, Joe? Good morning. So we'll talk about the Sooners' <laughs> chances with him coming up a little bit later on in the program. And as always, our top five stories of the day. We love to hear from you on the Air Comfort Solutions text line at 405-651-3439. Jump in here in the Riverwind Casino jackpot line which is 405-329-9000. That's 405-329-9000. And as always, Hour 1 is brought to you by Van Hoos Fans. All right, do you want to start with the news out of Bama or do you want to start with Kansas basketball from last night? Where do you want to start? I feel like we have to start in Tuscaloosa. So if there has been one... One lingering conversation as far as coaches and if there could be movement or if there could be changes, that one lingering conversation has centered around, boy, could Alabama come after Jeff Levy? So my counter has always been what? There's not even a vacancy yet. I mean, and there, there, there wasn't until now. This morning... Early this morning, Adam Schefter reported that Alabama offensive coordinator Bill O'Brien, former Penn State coach, spent some time in the NFL with the Texans and had a pretty good run. In fact, that's where he rose to fame as Bill Belichick's offensive coordinator is being named the Patriots' offensive coordinator. O'Brien was there from 2007 to 2011, and I – I don't even know truly, Josh, if he was the OC. I think he might have just been a, an assistant coach and, and, and like the uh, quarterback's coach, the offensive line coach. He now returns to coach Mac Jones, whom he coached for a bit while he was at Alabama, or at least we think it's going to be Mac Jones that he's coaching while he's at Alabama, or back, back at uh, New England. All right, so let's just let's talk about that first. Surprised at all that that would be the direction that Bill Belichick goes after what was a less than successful experimental year with both, gosh, Joe Judge and Matt Patricia calling plays for New England? Not surprised at all that they wanted to make a change and not surprised that Bill O'Brien would be a name that he would look at. Tons of experience, long, uh, long respected NFL voice. So he's been to the... Alabama Rehabilitation Clinic, and now he's off to New England. <laughs> and did a pretty good job at Bama. But, but there might not be a move that is more celebrated amongst a fan base than this is this morning. Simply, simply search Bill O'Brien on Twitter or follow any Alabama thread. I... 
Bill O'Brien is despised by Bama fans. Despised. I don't know. I, I I don't know if it's because they didn't win a national championship the last two years, but I, I mean this is this is a dude, Josh, that for some reason, and and again I get it. They didn't win a national championship, but he produced a Heisman Trophy winner with his offense. They. They put up a lot of points. I don't think you could look at any of the games that Alabama lost and say any of it was on their offense. I mean, they put points up. Sure, there might have been some mistakes. There might have been some disagreement with the way plays were called or whatever. But, I mean, Josh, this is being celebrated like Alabama just won a national championship amongst its fan base right now. And they don't even know who the next OC is going to be. No, they just wanted somebody new. Period. Point blank. Get him out. Welcome to life, I guess. Who you? Uh, why are you so happy today? Ah, oh, we finally got rid of our offensive coordinator. My gosh, he was driving me crazy. You mean you mean the guy that kind of helped engineer a couple of your really good offenses the last few years, where the games that you lost, you at least in one of them, you still scored almost like fifty points. Yeah, he's terrible. Get him out of here. Right? It's fandom. And again, and again, I want to be very clear here. Maybe there is more to the story, right? Maybe there was, maybe there's some other frustrations. Maybe he's been surly with the media. I mean, Bill, I don't, I don't know. But all, all, they've, all they've done since he replaced Steve Sarkeesian at Alabama is put points up. So... Uh, and, in fact, I, I talked to my buddy Ryan Fowler. I'll see if I can't find the cut uh, this weekend on College Sports Saturday on Sirius XM. And he even said it's one of the wildest things ever because it's almost as if fans had just decided from the moment he got there they didn't want him. All right, so that's – there's one side of it. New England goes out and hires Bill O'Brien to take over as their offensive coordinator. There's tons of tentacles to that, Josh, that we can get to as far as – Hey, is this a good sign for Mac Jones? Does this mean maybe that New England is is maybe back in the uh, the the Tom Brady mix? Does it mean that maybe they're moving on from Mac Jones? Is it a a sign of positivity that he worked a little bit with Mac Jones, not as the OC, but as a and it was a very short amount of time he had Mac Jones? I don't know. I I don't know what all that means for New England. The part that matters, I think, more to us and resonates on the home of Sooner fans is the reported candidates for the Alabama job. The very first text I received this morning at, well, actually, I had a few before that, but the very first text I received on this story at 8.37 this morning was a text from one of my Alabama guys that said, do you think Levy would leave Oklahoma? Now, I ask you that, Josh. Do you think Levy would leave Oklahoma? I've said... All along that, I don't think that he would just because of the alma alma mater factor. It wasn't really great last season. And, oh, by the way, he's he's got a five-star signee coming in that uh, his fingerprints are all over. Now, having said that, the the last, let's see here, five offensive coordinators at Alabama football, O'Brien – off to the Patriots. Steve Sarkeesian's the head coach of Texas. Loxley's Maryland's head coach. Right. Dable, Giants. Kiffin is at Ole Miss. So the track record of Alabama 
all along, th- throughout all of this, before the opening was open, you-, you had to at least respect it. You do have to respect it because it's Alabama, and look what the last five OCs at Alabama have done. Now, Oklahoma itself, the last quarter century, right. like we could flip this on its head and say, okay, well, what about the last <laughs> offensive coordinator at Oklahoma again and again and again and again? So success here equals job somewhere else. So I'm going to lean still know that he's not leaving because of the alma mater factor because I don't think he wants to leave Oklahoma in that place. But my, my ears are perked up. I want to give you my response. Because I, I, I haven't heard anything. Of, of Levy being interested or even being a candidate. So we'll go just a little longer here in that first, in this first segment, if you don't mind, Josh. I replied and I said, I don't. I don't think he's going anywhere unless he's a head coach. Why? What are you hearing? Here's the response. I'm not even sure he's a candidate. I think Dan Mullen's going to be the next offensive coordinator at Alabama. To that, I was a little bit shocked. It's like, could you imagine Dan Mullen as the offensive coordinator at Alabama? Um, and then he, I, I, I said, Dan Mullen, really? And he goes, if not him, Joe Brady. So I think Sooner fans, prepare yourself for a couple of days of Jeff Levy being mentioned for this. I think it was something that you know, was was inevitable as far as the the name being thrown around is concerned for this opening, and if there was a vacancy now that there is. But my, I would say there's three main candidates for this right now from, at least in my world, someone that I think would know pretty well. And that is Dan Mullen, Joe Brady, and I asked about Cliff Kingsbury, and the response was, I thought originally he would be the number one candidate, but my contacts in Arizona think he stays in the NFL. By the way, uh, Cliff Kingsbury is still in, like, Thailand with that one-way ticket, right, Josh? Is that the last check we had on that? That's the last we know. <laughs> one-way ticket to Thailand. So I, I, I think the three main takeaways are, yes, Alabama is a very interesting vacancy for the reasons that Josh brought up, right? You have – Coaches that have moved on from there to be head coaches. You have coaches that have had an immense amount of success, won national championships at Alabama. So, number one, it's an enticing job. Number two, Lebby's name is going to be mentioned, and that's a good thing because Jeff Lebby, regardless of how you might have felt at times this season, is one of the best offensive minds in college football. Period. And number three, I think all of it will be much ado about nothing. And I, 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 had, I had this brought up to me, too, a while back. And this by, by no means, by no means is, is a shot at anyone involved in this process. But there's another thing that happens, Josh, whenever you're in the midst of quarterback, conver- or quarterback conversations, uh, when you're in the midst of, of coaching rumors like this. And it's... It's this. Some of this can be agent-driven, too. You know, they see a very high-profile coordinator opening, and 
you know, they're, they're, that was a rough stretch, dude. I mean, you you know it from right before the Kansas game with the way things went in the Texas game and the way things went against TCU. That was that was as rough, rough of a stretch as we've had for an offensive coordinator in in a minute here in Norman. And kudos to Jeff. He handled it well. But you you can't help but wonder, too, if maybe it's – I don't necessarily know if it would be contractual, but also maybe even just kind of a PR thing, too. Hey, you know, this might be a name to keep an eye on because who is the first person you heard reporting that Jeff Levy would be a name for Alabama? Pete Thamel. Pete Thamel. Pete Thamel. Who's Pete Thamel's sources? Nine out of ten times. Who's Adam Schefter's sources? Nine out of ten times. Who's Ian Rappaport's sources? Nine out of ten times. It's agents. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not trying to be overly dramatic with this, I promise. But it's like a follow kind of the, the breadcrumbs here. Maybe it's a situation that it gets out there and they're trying to rework the contract a little bit, trying to magnify just how special this dude is. When there's a lot of us who don't need that. I, I don't need that reassurance. I know Jeff Levy's a rock star, but some of you might. And now when you hear his name being mentioned for Alabama, suddenly, Josh, it's, dude, I can't let Nick Saban come get our offensive coordinator, regardless of how you might have felt at the time that he was being mentioned for it. So there's a lot of different angles here. I think for me, you know, we've spent 20 minutes talking about this because it's a breaking story this morning. But I think the bottom line for me, Josh, I don't think he's going anywhere. I think... He is going to be the offensive coordinator at Oklahoma uh, for as long as he wants to be. I think he's going to have a, an incredible year next year. I think Jackson Arnold is going to have a really good run. I think Dylan Gabriel is going to be ready next year. And I think we're blessed to have him at Oklahoma. And I think he, I think he loves being here, too. We'll see. These things never really pan out like we think. Hell, who knows? I haven't checked Twitter. I mean, Nick Saban might have already named his replacement. I mean, there might already be a dude in play. This could be, um, who was it? This could be like Arkansas, remember? Whenever whenever Arkansas lost Kendall Bryles, the Razorbacks had Dan Enos named as their new offensive coordinator before TCU had even announced that Kendall Bryles was their OC. So who knows? All right. Anything else to add on the Alabama coordinator front that we didn't get to, Josh? Not necessarily. I tend to agree with a lot of what you've said. And I do think that, look, for Oklahoma's best interest, regardless of how you felt about maybe that TCU-Texas stretch that you're talking about, it is in Oklahoma's best interest if Jeff Levy is around in 2023. By the way, Josh Pate brings up a good note, too. Alabama has zero coordinators and is the number one recruiting class in the country. Now, keep in mind, they got dudes that are kind of in those roles out recruiting. It's not like they're just people are coming, which, again, they, they might. But a wild note. All right, so it's 923. K.J. Kindler is going to join us coming up in just a bit. Uh, in the meantime, we've got a three-game losing skid for a national championship contender in the Big 12. Let's talk about KU Baylor next right here on the Plank Show on the ref. Tuesdays, we're all in studio, hanging out, one big happy family, but we're all separated today. K.J. Kindler, OU women's gymnastics coach, is getting ready for practice, while K.J., my kid's school is out today over the threat of snow, so 
good times. How's it been going since the big win on Sunday? How are you feeling about the way this team has reacted in the last 48 hours? Yeah, um, well, we had we definitely always take the day off after a meet, so they had a good um, a good rest, a good break, and as you know, even though schools closed, practice never stops. <laughs> <laughs> so we are in the gym right now, and um, and we're getting back to work. So we got a little bit of time before you dive back into practice here, um, boy. First of all, I know it's a continual uh, a battle, and I know that. You get out and in and, and not just doing this with us, but in getting in the community, getting on campus, you want to sell, hey, get out to the meets. I, I know Caitlin Fournier did a great job with marketing, making sure that, you know, we had tickets to give away and, and we, we pushed the ticket sales billboards. Overall, how did you feel about the atmosphere and the way things played out on Sunday night from a crowd perspective? I thought the atmosphere was great, and I was very excited about everyone who came out, um, it felt very full. I know we can. I know we can get even more in there, but it's our largest opener crowd. So, hoping all those people got hooked and can't stop themselves from talking about how great it was and how fun it was, and um, and about our amazing team. So, um, hoping that that continues. That trend continues uh, throughout the season. We have four more home meets, and we have two postseason meets. Um, that are huge uh, regional championships, NCAA regional championships we're hosting. So um, all of those are incredibly important to have to have that big Sooner crowd. KJ, I think what most people came away with um, that, you know, I've been following for a while was just the affirmation, confirmation of everything you have said about Faith Torres. Um, I, I know that she's going to have moments because she is a freshman, but – Holy smokes, it seemed as if everyone that I saw on Twitter, everyone afterwards, that, that's all they really wanted to talk about with how incredible she could be. Yeah, I mean, she won the all-around, which <laughs> that's tough. I mean, you got to compete against Jordan Bowers and Olympian Grace McCullum from Utah. I mean, that's, that's a huge, a huge accomplishment um, in her third meet of her career. But, yeah, she's dynamic. Um, you know, we weren't sure if she was going to compete vault and bars it was kind of a situation that we would look after warm-up but she warmed up so great you just couldn't pick her you couldn't not pick her okay so she went in and and did did her thing and balance beam i hope people noticed how incredibly difficult that beam routine is and she's just like skating through it like it's no big deal so she's she's big time definitely somebody to keep watching so you and I have talked about this for for a couple of years now since we've been doing this, but for these youngsters, this is something new, right, where you're competing as often as you are. Uh, how have you seen her handle that through the first four to five weeks of the season? Yeah, she's handled it really well. You know, we, we obviously put a lot of emphasis on recovery and recovering um, in the right way and, and making sure their bodies feel great. And, and that's definitely a focus of our staff because we know as much as they have to be physically strong and, and well-conditioned, they also have to get rest. So uh, I think she's done incredibly well. And certainly I think, you know, when you're getting into the seventh, eighth meet of the season, that's the real challenge. So our goal will be for her to feel fresh when she gets to that point. She's fun. Man, I'll tell you what, you, you've done an incredible job recruiting and building this program. And with Maggie Nichols and names like that in the past, I'm not trying to put anyone in that stratosphere, but there's this little extra it that Faith Torres seems to have, right? There's, 
I don't want to say it's an attitude. It's just it's like this this it that you see in some of the uh, the, the special athletes. And I don't know, Coach. It's just it, it's something that I've seemed to notice in her. And in hearing you talk about her, I, I, I kind of feel like it's something that she has the potential to really, really continue to grow. Yeah, I agree. You know who she reminds me of? If you if someone were to ask me what sooner great she reminds me of, I would say Haley Skamen because she has a real humbleness about her. And I, I think that Haley always had that. She was an incredible gymnast, but she always had this humbleness about her. Um, I think I think Faith has that. You know, she's just honestly she's joyful and, and so excited to have the opportunity and um you don't see a lot of stress on her, and I never did on Haley either. She just seems like happy-go-lucky, ready to go. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, uh, before I let you get out of here, let's talk about, I, I say the vets, but Jordan Bowers um, is number two in the country in, in vault right now. Uh, you got Audrey Davis, who has been performing well, Jenna Dunn, Kate Lavasser has been fantastic, Danny Severs had a good weekend, I mean, it just seems right now from top to bottom, everyone is performing well. Where do you need to see the biggest improvement going forward and get those scores up in the 198s? Um, yeah, well, balance beam definitely presented a, an issue for us at the meet, but and bars actually a little bit. I, I actually think they really needed that. I know, um, I know the crowd doesn't need it, right? That mm-hmm. makes them nervous, but... <laughs> Um, we really needed that because we've hit 24 routines in the last two weeks. So our athletes haven't really been challenged to have that immense pressure. Like you have to make this routine um, in order for us to, you know, come away with a, a quality score and also to beat Utah, you know? So there was quite a bit of pressure on the end of that beam lineup. I like to see how they responded to it on bars as well. You know, a nine, seven, it's fine, but it's definitely not what we're looking toward. And so um, <clears throat> it's definitely something that you feel a little pressure, a little added extra pressure. So Jordan and Audrey had to handle that. Um, I think that was really good for us after that competition. So, but I would like to see like a little more steadiness on beam. Our landings were much better, much improved from LSU. Um, they were more aware. Um, I'd also like to see a little bit more stamina on floor. I think there were some moments where we might have, shown a little bit of uh, fatigue it's a long need it's a lot of emotion especially at home and so um, those are some things that we're definitely going to be dialed in on no doubt all right coach I know you got practice to get to but uh, congratulations on the big win how you feel now going forward about things feeling good well I'm 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 outside of the gym looking in watching <laughs> Olivia sorry. Troutman doing balance beams I'm sorry. <laughs> so um, I'm looking forward to, to seeing Olivia join the team out on the floor. And everyone always wants to know, what's her status? What's her status? Well, she's, she's doing a full beam routine right now as I watch out the window. So I think she's looking pretty good. That's awesome. Thanks for your time, Coach. Go enjoy practice. Yeah, thanks, Chris. All right, we'll see you. It's KJ Kindler. How about that for commitment to the show, Josh? That's commitment to the show. There, there's practice going on. And what is she doing? Hanging out with us. Does it get much better than that? No, it doesn't. And that just tells you the commitment that Coach K.J. Kindler has to to making this environment and Norman great 
and to promote this program, right? Awesome. I mean, to, to give us that time while obviously they are hard at work. That just uh, shows how much she values just the, the whole picture. It's awesome. All right, buddy, let's get a timeout in here. It is 9.36 on a Tuesday morning. When we come back, all right, let's dive into the Big 12 from last night. Oh, wow. What a performance down the stretch by Baylor. Is it time to mash the panic button in Lawrence? Plus, what to expect from the Sooners tonight in Cowtown. It's the Plank Show right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. All right, welcome back into the Plank Show right here on The Ref. It was a show last night in Waco, and it was starring a team that we unfortunately saw do this same thing in Norman on Saturday, the Baylor Bears. Bears lead by six. Runner in the paint by Cryer. There's Cryer's first points of the second half, 21 on the night. So I don't know about you, Josh, but – I just I felt like it was one of those games where you kept waiting for Kansas to make a run, and it just never really materialized on on Monday night. Do we still call it Big Monday? I feel like that's kind of a thing of the past, right? No longer Big Monday. Why not? Why, why okay. not Big Monday? Sure. Bring back Big Monday. But I and and listen, there's a lot of questions to be asked about Kansas right now. But I kind of think last night was a little bit more about just what Baylor's becoming since starting out 0-3 on the season. It was impressive, no doubt, for Cryer and Flagler to do that. and They, they needed that win. It needed that win to improve, uh, obviously, their seeding. Kansas kind of starting to feel like a little bit of free fall here. This loss isn't altogether bad if you didn't get smacked around by TCU inside the fog this weekend. And now, oh, by the way, you got a very hungry Kentucky team that right. you're going to see on the road before before games against Kansas State at Iowa State and versus Texas and then Oklahoma. So, man, this thing can get a lot worse for KU before it gets better. I agree. I agree. And here here's the other part of it too, Josh, is there's several different players for Kansas that I thought were going to be big-time parts of what they were getting. And, and they've looked the part at times this year that just it's it's disappeared for him. I mean, McCullers played a little bit better last night, but he's been wildly inconsistent, right? Um, my goodness, someone sent out an APB for Dewan Harris Jr. I mean, what in the world has happened to that guy? And – I, I know it's easy to sit here and, and kind of pick on, on, on Kansas because they lost last night, and someone could easily say, well, what about your Sooners? Listen, we're talking about Kansas right now. Stop it. But for, for Dewan Harris Jr., Josh, here is a guy that had scored in double digits three straight games to start Big 12 play for, for Kansas, including a pretty clutch 11 points against Oklahoma, who has now scored 0 3 0 in the last four games, and is a combined two for 18 from the floor right now, and he's only made one three-pointer during that stretch. Now, he had 11 assists against Kansas State, but, I mean, that's supposed to be your dude at running the show, and he's just completely disappeared from the radar for Kansas right now. Yeah, he's not been a Mason type or – Anybody that, that Kansas has had up there recently. I feel like McCuller Jr. has been a disappointment for the Jayhawks to some degree. 
I think that they've sort of expected more from him, Plank. Right. And you look at it, he had 14 points last night, but eight of those came from the foul line. 12 rebounds, so that looks really good. But his shooting, 0 for 3 from downtown, just 3 of 9 from the floor. I I feel like that's a piece that hasn't really been what Kansas expected it to. Jalen Wilson has been awesome. Grady Dick has been amazing. K.J. Adams, okay, probably outside of the Oklahoma performance, he would be in that McCuller camp as well. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And and here's here's the thing. I'm not a – I don't try to play X and O guy, and I just – I kind of try to listen to what the analysts say on the broadcast. I listen to what the Kevin Henrys of the world say, the Fran Fraschillas, if you would. But it, it almost – I don't know, Josh. Did it kind of seem like at times Bill Self just said, "Grady Dick, go play hero ball." All right. I mean, uh, Jalen Wilson, go play, go play hero ball. Whatever we're doing just isn't working. And and again, it wasn't as if it was like this blowout. Kansas was there for a majority of the second half, but even even though you just kept thinking, "All right, they're going to take," they're going to they, they they took a lead. I think at like the eleven or twelve minute mark, and you kind of thought, "All right, we'll have a back and forth game." but they were never able to really stabilize anything the rest of the way. I mean, they just they couldn't run their offense. Now, credit, too, to, to Baylor's defense because I thought, I thought the officials kind of swallowed the whistle a little bit at times last night. I thought, believe this or not, I'd, I, I might get kicked off the air for saying this. I kind of thought Baylor got a little bit of a favorable whistle at times last night, and I think some of those quick whistles that Kansas has been getting maybe – Maybe someone got to the officials and was like, hey, listen, stop it. It still became a ref show for quite a while because it's Big 12 basketball, right? But I kind of thought Baylor got a little bit of a favorable whistle at times last night. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people came away from the game last night oh, feeling okay. that way. Okay, okay. So you're, you're, you're not alone. There, there's others that I've seen make that remark. Uh, bottom line for Kansas is they, they got to find a way to be better, whether or not that's the case or this or that. And that's th- this Kentucky game for them now is ramped up uh, in all sorts of importance. Yeah, exactly. It's huge. Now, this is this is also that moment where you not to make everything about K- Kansas on the show, but they had the game last night. So I think it's 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 a fair conversation to have. We're also looking at a situation, Josh, where Let's see. Kansas uh through 18 games last year was 12 and 6, right? So now they're just looking at what 16 and 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 5. So it's it's also a team that still went and won the national championship. So I'm not I'm not quite ready to say fire everyone. Kansas is in trouble. Mash the panic button. But in the way that they've lost their last two games, I don't know how you can't right now. Josh, I don't know how you can't. I m- maybe you look at history, but the way things have gone, it's just it's not it's not looking good. They got smoked by TCU, a TCU team that was coming off a road loss to a bad West Virginia team. Well, and remember Kentucky went into Allen Fieldhouse last year and obliterated Demolished Kansas. them. Yeah. O- obliterated them and I said after that, yeah, this Kansas team's not winning a national championship. Wound up being dead wrong. <laughs> Wound up being dead wrong. So 
Yeah, you don't totally freak out over it. It is a three-game losing streak. It's the first time that that's happened, uh, what, since the 2020-21 season and just the fourth time under self. So this is rarefied negative air for Kansas, and yet that's the thing about college basketball. They can stabilize themselves, and if they go win six games in March and April, then none of this part matters. Now, I don't know, Plank, that I see – K.J. Adams or McCuller or some of these bigs on this roster turning into, and I probably didn't feel this way this time a year ago either, but I don't know that I see anybody on this roster turning into what McCormick was for Kansas throughout last year's tournament run, and that to me would be the most alarming part. Mm. All right, quick break. When we come back, it's 949 on the Plank Show. Joe Lenardi coming up here in just a bit, but uh, Josh, let's, um, let's hit the Air Comfort Solutions text line. You guys have some takes on that Alabama offensive coordinator story, and if you're just waking up, some of the big stories we're following this morning, Kansas gets obliterated last night by Baylor. Um, Oklahoma's got TCU tonight at 7 o'clock. We'll preview that matchup coming up at 10.30 this morning. And Alabama does indeed have an OC vacancy. Bill O'Brien, the new offensive coordinator of the Patriots, this is the home of Sooner fans. Is this your way of trolling me, knowing that I can't be in studio today? It's like bye-bye to the Buffalo Wild Wings studio. Is that <laughs> no, what you're doing No, I, I just enjoy this song. There, there's All no right. ulterior motives. This All is not right. directed at yourself. This is not directed at Jeff Levy. <laughs> <laughs> I just enjoy it playing d- this bumper. Does it, does it surprise you, the roller coaster of emotions right now on the Air Comfort Solutions text line with Levy? No, because okay. I think it's been a polarizing year for Oklahoma in general, and the offense is not free from that polarization. All right, so uh, I want to make this very clear, and I have made this very clear from day one. I think Jeff Levy's a rock star, and I think if you don't see it, you're a crazy person. But I can completely understand, and I get it, where your frustration is based on some moments this season. So here is here's the roller coaster of emotions when Levy's name, which, by the way, the only person who's mentioned Jeff Levy's name is Pete Thamel. I haven't seen anyone, and, and I'm, I started the show with uh, a text conversation I had with one of my Alabama guys. I, I, I'm trying to find the cut from Ryan Fowler where I talked to him. Maybe we'll get Ryan on the show tomorrow. But I just – I don't even know if it's truly a candidate for this job. But here we go. You ready for this roller coaster of emotions? Let's from the, go. From the 405. We need to keep Levy because of Jackson Arnold. Can you imagine another coach pulls a Lincoln Riley? No. Kendall, there's plenty more OCs who are equal or better than Levy, in my opinion. I mean, sure, but they have jobs, too. It'd be you're going to have to pay them probably as much, if not maybe a little bit more than you are Levy. Camo Sooner. The one thing no one is talking about when it comes to the Levy rumors is the persuasiveness of one Brent Venables. We all know and believe that Coach V is a great recruiter of young student-athletes. I'm sure the same applies to coaches on staffs or other staffs. Uh, Brian with a Y in Tulsa. If Joe Brady is the OC, does Caleb transfer with a better shot at the title plus his relationship with Joe out of high school? I think that's more of a uh, – I think that's – but that's probably more of a of an Alabama conversation there than it would be an OU. Dan, no way Alabama is interested in running a gimmick <laughs> sprint hurry-up offense. Those guys walk up to the line and blow you off the ball. Uh, that's great. Dan, 
when's the last time you watched Alabama? Because based on that text, I don't think you've watched them in a while. Alabama runs essentially the same offense that Oklahoma does. Well, and, oh, by the way, Ole Miss, when Jeff Levy was there, gave Nick Saban and and Alabama fits. And (laughs) if, you know, if you've learned one thing about Nick Saban, it's that he kind of figures out it's the old Bob Bob Stoops mindset, right? Why did mm-hmm. Why did Mike Leach end up in Norman? Well, I'm trying to find the the Hal Mummy protege out there, the offensive coordinator that gave me the most trouble. I know. I'm with you, Kendall. Too. I subscribe to the Vince McMahon theory. If you don't want to be here, good luck. I mean, I might try to keep you, but if in the end you say no, bye. Good luck wherever you go, man. I don't think that's the case here with Jeff Levy. I don't think that's. I think he wants to be here. But also in that same vein, it does set up one heck of a debate. I, I love the idea that, that, that Bama runs like uh, the Veer or that they run like the Power Eye. I mean, literally, it's, it's, everyone's running about the same offense right now. It's, you're not, we're not finesse compared to Bama. Jeff Lebby's offense is founded in a power run mindset. Come on now. We got to go. We got to go. Hour one in the books. A little Joe Lenardi coming up next right here on The Ref.